Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom podcast. Um, we're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, we like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, so this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. May the peace of Christ be with you. Thank you and welcome to Easter 2023 here at Axia. I am so glad you guys have chosen to be with us because Christ is risen. And I, I enunciate risen because this morning when my son got here, I was like, or Miller, come here. I said, he is risen. He goes, he's in prison? I, I said, no, no, no. That'd be bad news. <laughs> Surprise, this is, this is good news. He is risen. He said, oh, okay, great. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. That's the only uh, Easter joke you'll get from me today. Um, today is a day that I want to invite you to think for a second that you might be surprised. That the world as you know it might be totally uh, upside down and this, today could be made right side up. It's possible. Because today we celebrate that kind of event, that kind of thing in our world. And that thing that happened isn't some distant thing. It's a very present opportunity kind of thing. Because when Christ rises from the dead, he invites each of us to join him in that. And this is, this is Holy Week, which is a week that's full of surprises when you think about it. From, from the beginning at, at, at Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes in, he's turning over tables. He's doing things you wouldn't expect. He comes in on a, on a donkey, and we expected him to come in on a war horse. He's totally surprising us from start to finish, and nothing's different here. I mean, think about it like this. The best news that's ever hit humanity came out of a cemetery. A cemetery! Is where the good news comes from. Surprise! Things could be different. Your chaos could be the place that God does something incredibly new and redemptive in the world. That's possible. That's what Holy Week and Easter, heck, that's what Lent all the way through Easter tide points to is this new creation. And not just Palm Sunday, but then you move forward and you get to, to, to Wednesday night when he's uh, having his last supper. And in surprise, Jesus starts serving his enemy, not just his friends, but his enemy feeds him. This is somebody that's been walking with Jesus for a long time. Some of you have walked with Jesus for a long time, but that doesn't mean that you've said yes. It doesn't mean that you've received the bread and the wine. You might have gone through the practices, but surprise, that could happen. And not just that, on Monday, Thursday, Jesus gets down and he washes his disciples' feet. 
Jesus enters into the most vulnerable. And that's a surprise because he's the, he's the, the, the one that gets all the glory in the room. It's like Peter is surprised. He's like, hey, what are you doing? You don't get to wash my feet. I, like, I'll wash your feet, right? And Peter has this kind of like humbleness in that. And yet Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. I have to wash your feet. And he invites Peter into an even uh, a more sanctified level of humility where it's like he goes from, I'll wash your feet, to, oh my gosh, please wash my feet. And think about that. Is it easier to serve or to be served? But Jesus says, no, you need to let me serve you. And some of us struggle to let Jesus get to our most vulnerable place. The, the dirty feet that carry all of our journey's scars, all of our journey's dirt and filth. And that's the place that Jesus wants to go to. And he wants to wash it. And he wants to make it new. This is the surprising story that Jesus keeps telling over and over again in so many different ways this Holy Week. Uh, I love Holy Week. And it just keeps going from there. Good Friday. Good Friday, Jesus, isn't it interesting that Good Friday, Jesus goes to the garden at midnight? He goes, he goes to where it all began, at the garden. But at the garden, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were disobedient. But what does Jesus say to God at the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. And he surprises us. He flips the script. He chooses to do the faithful thing, the thing. We would all expect him to be like, hey, you know, this whole dying on the cross thing, not, that, that's not great. Let's find another way. No, he, he submits to it. He surprises us. And he reclaims everything from the beginning to that moment by writing what was upside down and making it right side up. Everything changes. But the way it changes surprises us all. It surprises us all. And then on the cross, Jesus goes to breathe his last. And the words that come out of his mouth, notice he doesn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. Because he's just getting started. And Easter morning, that's what he does. He breaks into the scene. And nobody expected it. Nobody saw it coming. Surprise. Here's Jesus. And he's just getting started. What's so sweet and wonderful about Christ is that he, he loves a surprise still. He's still in the business of making things new. Of doing the most unexpected things in our lives. He's still in the business of, of, of starting a new song in our heart and mind, shifting the narrative. And his narrative, his big enunciation, his big kickstarter for the cosmos is resurrection. It's resurrection. And we have to ask ourselves in all of our spaces, is this look like resurrection to you? Or does this look like some other script, some other narrative? See, God's not making the world great again. He's not building it back better. He's resurrecting the whole thing. And that is 
really good news. And he doesn't come with a statement, by the way. I want to point this out. I think this is really fascinating. The first thing Jesus says when he's resurrected is this. It's not a statement. It's a question. And he says, who is it that you are looking for? Who is it that you are looking for? Again, surprise. We weren't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that, but there it is. In John 20, 15, who is it that you are looking for? And, and the interesting thing is Mary doesn't recognize him. She's so anticipating the worst case. She's so anticipating the, the death. She's so living in the narrative of the tomb that she expects nothing but to find dead Jesus. She gets there she can't find him. And she thinks someone's taken him. Someone's taken. The only explanation, someone's taken him. And Jesus appears to her and asks the question, who is it that you are looking here? Now, what's curious to me is that this text, this first question that Jesus asked when he resurrects, reminded me of the first question Jesus asked in his public ministry. The first words out of his lips are this. What is it that you are looking for? In John 1, 38. So the first words out of his mouth is, what is it that you are looking for? And then the first words out of his mouth asked after he's resurrected is, who is it that you are looking for? And of course, Jesus with his question is actually saying something, isn't he? His questions tell us something that's so true for all of us. And Jesus here, by asking the question, is provoking the deeper response, the deeper reflection that's required to get to, get to a place where it's no longer a surprise. To move past the narrative that you've been living in, the cycle of death and decay and hopelessness, Jesus inserts the question is, what is it you're trying to find? And, and, and we all know that we are looking for something or someone. And that's the realization that these questions Jesus asks should provoke in you. And then perhaps more than that should provoke in you, wow, what is it that I've been looking for what is it? Who is it that I've been looking for? Because you are all looking for something. And Jesus is curious, what is it? And this is the intersection now. This is the place where you're invited to meet Jesus at the resurrection. Where he comes to you and he says, Can I, will I be the one? Will you recognize me? That's what's crazy about this. Think about that. This whole idea here supposes that Jesus could be in the room and we wouldn't even know it. That your whole life, Jesus was there with you at some place, somewhere, and you might not have noticed it because of what or who you were looking for. And the fact that we're even looking, which Jesus is well aware of, suggests that we're still in the dark. Feeling our way around, 
trying to figure it out, living uncertain, the blind leading the blind. And, and even when we think we're certain, there's a way in which our certitudes are blind also. But Easter morning says, surprise, you're not in the dark anymore. The tomb is empty. The stone's been rolled back. The light has come in. Jesus is risen. Everything has changed. This is the good news of of resurrection. The world, your world, is not as you thought it was. This is why the angels could ask in the Luke narrative, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? What a good question. And Jesus asks Mary this question. Not because he didn't know the answer, but because he was trying to help her see for herself that deep down what was really true. But we're all struggling to see it. We're all struggling to live in what is really true. We're all stuck in the narrative that we're not meant to be in. We have a new one, a surprising one, and it comes from the cemetery. It's Jesus. And my encouragement to you, my my thing I want you to hear is that you you don't have to doubt in the dark what's clear in the light. You, you, you see it now. It's been made clear to you that Christ is in your midst. And so while Mary is upset in this story and she's crying, she, she doesn't realize in her sorrow that Jesus is right in front of her. Now, for you, I don't know where your tears are going these days. I don't know where your pain is at, but is it possible that Jesus is right there in front of you? Is it possible that the same tears that, G- that Mary had that turns to worship could be the same for you? It is possible, but only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And that's what happens to Mary. He calls her by name. She, doesn't, she's, she thinks he's the gardener, and, he's, and he just goes... Mary. And the second he says her name, it comes off his lips. She she falls apart. Oh, Rabbi, here you are. And her sorrow turns to worship. Things aren't as they seem. Everything's changed. This is what happens in every resurrection story, by the way. They're all surprised. They all don't recognize him at first. And then they do. To, just to, Cleo, to Cleopas and, her, and his wife on the, on the road, he comes beside, he's walking with them for seven miles. And he, and he says, why is your face so downcast? But by the end of it, their hearts are burning. And then... It happens. Jesus breaks the bread. And in that moment, they receive it. They see it. What they were looking for, what they weren't expecting, but what they deep down were already looking for the whole time was right there in front of them. 
So how are things actually in the world of Jesus' surprises? And what is it that's in your world that doesn't seem to understand that the king has risen? And we need to call these things into question. We need to call them out of the shadows, out of the tomb, out of the valley, and into the sun. For we are made new and alive in Christ. What parts of your life have forgotten that? Or what part of your life needs to receive that today? Needs to be reminded that it never that you never cease. You never cease. In Jesus name. You are part of the resurrection in Jesus name. And we need to we need to live into that. That changes the whole thing. Mickey Mantle's famous quote, if I'd known I would live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. <laughs> Irony in that statement. But you know that you're going to live forever. That you'll never cease to exist. Because surprise, Jesus has conquered death. And he extends Life everlasting to each and every one of us. And there's no part of you that he won't reclaim in eternity. There's no part of you that he'll leave behind that you aren't willing to give to him. So I want to invite us. I don't care if you've done it a hundred times, a thousand times, or one time. I want to, I want to invite you to give it up. Let it, let it die. Let it go into the tomb. Surrender it. Because in the tomb, on Holy Saturday, between Friday and Sunday, guess what? Jesus is doing something miraculous. Peter records that Jesus goes down into Hades, starts breaking open doors. So let Jesus get into your hell for a minute and make it new. I invite you to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is risen and that with his resurrection comes all of you that you give to him. Say it's possible. We're going to do baptisms today and perhaps you're saying, yep, I want, on the, I, want, I want the ceaseless thing, the Jesus thing. I want to be surprised. Well, there's lots of water out there and you don't have to know how to swim because we'll catch you and if you drown, you'll go to heaven. So it's all good. <laughs> So don't let that stop you. Christ is risen indeed. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to receive you, all of you, every part of you. Because we want you to take every freaking part of us, Christ. Leave nothing behind. Get into the, the deep stuff, the things that we can't touch, the things that we've been circling around for years and never been able to get access to, the things that we have tried and tried and tried to make work and can't, God. We just give it all to you and we ask you Jesus in your powerful name to resurrect us to make us new again and Lord may that begin right now for us in our interior lives and what happens here Lord may it continue into our minds 
and then into our behavior and into our body, into every part of us, Jesus. We ask for all of it, all of it. And Lord, permission to surprise us. Amen.